When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Ah, with a bit of a twist, Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Great to have you with us. Amber Wilson's been holding it down in the mornings. My name is Joe Fortenball, joined today by my cohort from Daily Wager, ESPN2, weeknights, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. His name is Tyler Fulgham. You still have the blazer on, I noticed. It's... Quite chilly yeah, inside is. this studio, so uh, we're going to be here for a couple hours, and uh, I don't know if I, I could take it with that temp. For those of you who have ever watched this on Daily Wager or who have ever listened to this show from Las Vegas, we do these shows from beautiful studios mm-hmm. across from Caesars Palace at the Link Hotel and Casino. We're right there on the strip. Mm-hmm. We have no control over the thermostats. Nope. We have not had any control for the last three years There are days you walk into that studio in July and it's 75 degrees, which people might think is not that bad. I sweat like a pig. I can't be sweating on TV. I can't have it. I actually look forward to when, like today, at least in this studio that we're using where it's 62 degrees, I look forward to going outside in the 100-degree heat because it warms me (laughs) on my skin. And I used to have, you know, that... That thick blood Midwest living in Chicago, but after about three months of living in the desert, I got thin blood, and if it's not in the 70s or higher, I'm freezing. You get very weak, very Very quickly. soft, sharp and soft. I know exactly what that is like. Speaking of sweat, which we are not doing in this room, we're starting to wonder if the sweat is appearing on the brow of perhaps Colts owner Jim Mersey or anybody else within the Indianapolis organization. All-pro running back Jonathan Taylor, as you just heard during the update, He's left the Indianapolis Colts training camp to uh, continue rehabbing his ankle injury off-site, a source told ESPN on Tuesday. There's two parts to this story. I'm going to get to the second part, which is hilarious, in just a few (laughs) minutes. But this isn't normally what happens, right? If you're a player for a team, you're at training camp, you have an injury, you just rehab with the team. He's leaving. So I don't – how is this going to go well for Jonathan Taylor – a guy who's under contract and has virtually no leverage whatsoever with the Colts. I'm not sure how well it's going to go given the position that he plays in the current climate in the NFL. Joe, this I'm not married. You are. But this is akin, Don't remind me. <laughs> this is akin to me and my wife are having some marital troubles. They're, you know, maybe therapy is what we need to go to. Instead, I say, you know what? I'm going to take these troubles off-site. I'm going to go to Vegas by myself for a couple of days. <laughs> I'm going to go golfing in Myrtle I'm gonna Beach. Go, yeah, I'm going to go rehab my marriage in <laughs> Vegas for a couple of days by myself, honey. You stay home. I'm going to go there and do my thing in the city of sin. So uh, I, I this seems like it is headed towards a path where they're eventually going to have to part ways. And, Joe, I wonder if they part ways with Jonathan Taylor ever lacing up his cleats to carry the rock once again for the Indianapolis Colts. So Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he comes over from the Philadelphia Eagles where he was the offensive coordinator last year. He had a presser today. It doesn't really sound like he wants to directly address any of these Jonathan Taylor questions. Take a listen. Yeah, this is part of his rehab process. If you guys don't see him out here, it's part of his rehab. Is he rehabbing here on site or somewhere else? Yeah, like I'll, I'll refrain from getting into that. Oh, yeah. 
you expect him back tomorrow? Or? Yeah, if you, if you don't see him back here out on the field, it's because he's rehabbing. Say, what is his health status? I mean, what, yeah. Different yeah, he's got an ankle, and he's rehabbing his ankle. And like I said, once the medical cl- uh, staff clears him and he's 100%, he'll, he's, he'll be out on practice. Has there been much progress, do you feel? Yeah, I think he's in, in a good spot, and we're going from there. Do you think he'll practice during camp? Uh, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. We'll see how it all plays out, though. Again, once he's cleared, he'll be out here. Shane, I don't know how much you didn't want to get into it. Not much, apparently. But is this the original injury, the original surgery, or did he do something? Yeah, he's, just, he's got the ankle. It's the ankle, yeah. I, this might be a bit off the beaten path. Have you ever heard a group of reporters fire off so many questions mm. so quickly? They were ready. He didn't even Rapid finish fire. his skate. I mean, they were just <laughs> drilling him in Indianapolis. I was impressed with how Steichen handled that. Yeah. Obviously, they're holding information close to the vest and not sharing the truth of the matter with the media. Understand why. But, I mean, he he handled that somewhat deftly. And you know what I love, Joe? I love when coaches talking about injuries say, he's got an ankle. Yeah, <laughs> he's got two ankles. Technically, he's got two knees. No, he's got an elbow. Uh, you know, it's an ear. Like, instead of saying it's an injury, they just say he has a body part. The one they'll never give you is it's a concussion. Yeah, it's right, a neck yeah, injury, yeah, right. upper back injury. <laughs> <laughs> he's Tyler Folger. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Now, here's where it gets interesting. We told you there were two parts to this story. The Colts obviously realized that maybe, just maybe, Jonathan Taylor will decide he doesn't want to get paid this season and won't play. So they need to add some depth to the roster. Enter free agent running back and former Cleveland Brown, Kareem Hunt. Hunt has been a free agent all offseason. Mm-hmm. And earlier today, from what I understand, he was in New Orleans set to work out for the Saints and sign a deal if he passed a physical and everything looked good. The Saints are obviously dealing with the Alvin Kamara suspension, so they could use a little bit of depth early in the season. According to our own Diana Rossini, Hunt got a call from the Colts before he set foot on the (laughs) field for the Saints. He was offered more money. They said, don't work out for the Saints. Just get on a plane. Come to Indianapolis. We will pay you more, assuming you pass the physical and all that. Hunt looked around. Deuces to the Saints, got on a plane, and flew to Indianapolis. I would love to know what you think the Saints are thinking right now. (laughs) And then also, if you're Jonathan Taylor, this isn't necessarily checkmate, but they're letting you know we are prepared to move on. There are other running backs out there. Yeah, if you're the Saints, uh, you're like, ah. Damn it. How did that happen? Again, the salary cap sucks. (laughs) Um, But if you're Kareem Hunt, obviously, playing the position you play right now and seeing the current landscape, if anyone, whether they're in the National Football League or the Canadian Football League, is willing to offer you more money to run the football for a living, you have to take that at this point in time. So don't blame Kareem for potentially chasing a bigger bag. Both of these squads are in need of some depth. I think the Saints are in better shape right now than the Colts, so I understand the Colts maybe being a little more desperate um, because not only is Jonathan Taylor's situation murky, Zach Moss, who they brought in to provide some depth, he suffered an arm injury during training yep. camp and may not be ready for uh, the beginning of a regular season. So they're a more desperate team at that position, uh, and I can understand why they would get aggressive with Kareem. There are a lot of videos that pop up on my Instagram feed, easy before your minds go to dark places, like stuff you don't really necessarily ask for. What's your FYP up. for your page look like, Joe? Is that <laughs> something you can show the missus? all <laughs> over the place. All over the place. I'm not going to divulge all those details. One thing that tends to pop up, though, are some of these videos of actors doing roundtables, just talking about life, things mm-hmm. like that. I, I have no idea how I stumbled into it. But there's this one from Robert De Niro. I don't know who he's talking to. I don't know what it's from, but he's at a table. Tom Hanks is there. It's a really star-studded cast. And they're talking about how to handle success. 
but I think the advice applies to anyone in any situation. Mm-hmm. He just talks about being calm, how important it is to be calm. It, it, times will be good. It's easy to get very excited to maybe get out over your skis. Times will be bad. It's easy to get depressed and worked up. Just stay calm. Stay calm no matter what. Even keel. Work your way through it. You'll have a better opportunity for success, for happiness, for all of that. It feels like some of these teams, and I know we'll talk about Washington later, it's like we're, we haven't even reached the first preseason <laughs> game for some of these teams, and they already got problems. Like, if you've got problems this early, yeah. how can you possibly expect to compete at the highest level, especially in the AFC? Uh, I would say Jim Ursay has never been comfortable operating in calmness. <laughs> he is someone as he the knows owner. no calm. He knows no calm. He is most calm and comfortable in chaos, <laughs> uh, is Jim Ursay. So. It is a unique, again, situation, an unfortunate situation for Taylor specifically because he's a really good running back, and I think he deserves to be paid near the upper end of the market. And, boy, I think Anthony Richardson would love to have Taylor standing beside him in the backfield as he acclimates his game to the NFL. I'm curious, though, to see if he has carried the rock for the last time with the Colts. It just seems like it's a backfield with so much potential. Richardson, who you've been high on from the beginning, Jonathan Taylor, Shane Steichen is your offensive coordinator, and you might not even get that plane off the ground or away from the the terminal (laughs) based on the issues you're currently having in Indianapolis. Speaking of the AFC South, Jacksonville is your favorite, but Tennessee's lurking, and head coach Mike Vrabel made an unprecedented coaching move which had us wondering, should more coaches follow in his footsteps? Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Alongside Tyler Folgem, my name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Happy Tuesday. Great to have you with us. One thing we like to do around these parts is a little segment called Big Deal, Not a Big Deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But... Is it a big deal or not a big deal with Joe and Amber? 
And for more, we bring on producer extraordinaire Chris McGlynn to host this segment. Chris, welcome to the show. Take it away. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I got the extraordinaire added to the title. There you go. Very nice of you. All right, let's start, as you alluded to, before we head to our our last break here. The AFC South, Mike Vrabel making a move that I think surprised some folks, but could maybe be a trend around the NFL. He named his defensive line coach, Terrell Williams, the acting head coach for the Titans' preseason opener. Tyler, is this a move that we think more teams should be doing, and is it a big deal? Big deal. Very big deal. Mike Vrabel is one of the best, most respected head coaches in the National Football League, and giving opportunity to those that work for you is not just great in the industry of football. It's great in any industry. That's how people advance. That's how you grow your business. That's how you grow your operation, and that's how you identify talent for the future because Mike Vrabel is not going to be a head coach forever, and giving this opportunity to someone so they can – Understand what it's like to be in those shoes, I think, is a very big deal and something way more NFL coaches and just people in leadership spots in general should be doing. Agreed. That's how you lead. You can lead by example. You can lead from the front. Rabel's clearly a guy who's confident in his own skin because there's a lot of coaches who wouldn't want to do this for the risk that the guy who steps up in the spot ends up performing well in the preseason. Suddenly it gets people talking, and now everybody's scared about whether or not you're going to have a coaching mutiny on your hands. Rabel has done a tremendous job with the ingredients he's been given during his time in Tennessee. And you love to see that in the preseason, you're going to give opportunities to the guys on your staff to coach them up. They're not just coaching the players up. You're coaching them up. You're giving them an opportunity to get better at what they do. And the more people understand how the overall big picture of this game works, the more they can contribute to you on a daily basis. It's like, how often do some of these guys step in the roles with no play calling experience whatsoever? Like, how do you get to a spot in the NFL or some of these major college programs where it's like, he's actually never called plays before? Really? You would think by the time you get to a major job, you have Mm -hmm. that, but sometimes it doesn't happen, Chris. I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great move. I hope more coaches follow in his footsteps. That's the positive side of things. Let's go negative here. The Los Angeles Angels have lost eight straight and now sit eight games back heading into tonight's game against the Giants of the final wild card spot in the AL. Joe, this team went pretty much all in around Shohei Otani at the trade deadline. Is this a big deal? Yes. You have to be a complete idiot to have not seen this coming. Anybody could have seen this coming. Otani's been with the Angels for what, like six years? And at the absolute last minute, the Angels decide, we got to get this guy some help. We have to show him we love him and that we want to compete so we can keep him on the roster. That's what you should have done last year and the year before that and the year before that. So they don't trade him. They don't pick up any assets. They say, we're going to push our chips to the middle. And in classic Angels (laughs) fashion, they throw up all over themselves and virtually eliminate themselves from the playoff race in one to two weeks following that decision. That's what happens to loser organizations. They continue to lose. It shouldn't surprise anyone that this is what's happening to the Angels right now. Yeah, I'm going to say it's not a big deal because we expect this (laughs) from the Angels. They've done absolutely nothing with this tremendous gift that they've been given by the baseball gods over the last decade. Mike Trout and then Shohei Otani. I think I said it last time I was on this program with you, Joe, but one of my favorite tweets I've ever seen in the history of my life was someone on Twitter tweeting, Mike Trout went four for five with two doubles and a home run. Shohei Otani literally did something that no baseball player has ever done in the history of the game. Angels lose 5-4 to the Brewers. <laughs> it's like that's every night it's being an Angels tweet. fan for crying out loud. So not a big deal because, duh, this is this organization. So ridiculous.
So hard for them to get out of their own way. We're doing a little big deal, not a big deal here on Joe and Amber, Joe Fortenbaugh, Tyler Fulgham. I'm Chris McGlynn. Let's go college football here, guys. ACC. Oh, did what? you just reset? Did you just do a reset right there to make sure that your name got dropped for a second time in this segment? No, that I did just a happened res- right there. I did a reset because I want to make sure we do those things. I'm being yeah. told we're supposed yeah. to do those things. That's a, that's a All right, let's go college football. But also very professional. Yeah, very I'm well actually, done, Chris. I'm actually very quite well impressed. Done. I appreciate that. Let's go college football here. ACC, they are currently mulling, adding Cal and Stanford because they are, I think, a little late to the party here that maybe they should have done something sooner. But, Tyler, I'll start with you. Is this a big deal? Before I get to that, see what happens, Joe, when we empower our producers yeah. to you know, be a part of hosting the show. They, yeah. they become really, really good at it. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. <laughs> I'm Chris McGlynn. No one else on the show today. I'm riding solo. Hey, That's what's going to happen in the next six minutes. I throw your names out there. Don't throw me under the bus like that. I want to go back to the original topic. Huge deal for Vrabel. He should not be doing this. He's going to get usurped. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens. You give the, the assistant behind the scenes some power, and he runs crazy. <laughs> um. I guess a big deal just because we are in the midst of the transformation of the college game. Um, Four super conferences essentially are coming. I think back when we initially started uh, conference realignment a decade ago, you know, when we had moves to the Big Ten, moves to the SEC, I think people forecasted that this was coming. I didn't see it happening in the blink of an eye like it has over the last couple of years, but um, a big deal that – a sport so steeped in tradition is now going to look so much different for the rest of its existence, and it's because of television, it's because of money, and nothing else. You're looking a little bit bigger picture there. I respect that. I can see how that would be a big deal. I'm going to say not a big deal just specifically to the ACC looking at Cal and Stanford. Fair. The main reason for that, it's not a big deal because the people there don't think it's a big deal. <laughs> right, yeah. I want to make that very clear. They do not I care worked in the Bay Area for six <laughs> years on morning radio. I love the Bay Area. The people there, the food, the weather, there's so much I love. But I want to make something clear, and I know people will get mad when they hear this because they get mad at everything, but nobody in the Bay Area cares about college football. Nope. College football is my favorite sport. I tried to talk about it on air. I was immediately told, don't ever talk about that again. In 2019, Clemson and Alabama played the national championship Mm -hmm. game at Levi Stadium in, in Santa Clara right down the street from Stanford. You could get tickets game night, upper deck for like $27 oh my to the national championship. Oh my that would gosh. never happen in Atlanta. Yeah, right. It certainly would never <laughs> happen in New Orleans. So it's not a big deal because no one in the Bay Area cares about college football. Clemson's not going to want to travel out to Berkeley in October. You're going to get out there. Yes, you're going to take over the stadium. And yes, you're going to notch a win. It's going to cost a lot of money in the process. Doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. It's the ACC, no. the A standing for Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just change it to CC, Coast Conference. I don't Coast know. Coast Conference. There you go. Who yeah, knows? that could work. One uh, other note, though. Stanford, yeah. people look at this and they laugh. Stanford wins championships in everything, yeah. just yes. not like football. Yeah. Yeah. They win championships every every everywhere. So Rowing, adding them, you're going to get a lot. Fencing, yeah. bowling. Nobody fences <laughs> like Stanford. Nobody. The Olympic sports, man, they crush them every single yeah. time. All right, let's go back to baseball here. The Orioles made the controversial decision to pull their broadcaster Kevin Brown off the air after he criticized the team for how their recent performances against the Tampa Bay Braves have been. Uh, they have announced that he will be back on Friday. Joe, I'll start with you here. Is this a big deal? Why Friday? It's clear that the <laughs> Orioles are idiots with this decision-making process, unless there's something we don't know. So you could reinstate him tonight, but no, he's out tonight, he's out Wednesday, he's out Thursday, he's back Friday? I just... it. it 
It's a big deal. The whole thing's a big deal because it's a huge mistake, and rather than rectify it, the Orioles are just kind of exacerbating it a little while longer. Ridiculous to me. Agree. Big deal. They're compounding their mistake instead of owning up and saying, we should have never done this. He was just doing his job and literally pointing out facts that we didn't apparently like as the Angelos family. Uh, Big deal. And a very big deal that social media was able to galvanize people and pressure the Orioles into fixing this. I I just... he just read facts. Yeah, a graphic that was on the broadcast. And you could also skew it that it was positive. Yeah. Hey, this isn't the same Orioles team <laughs> exactly. that can't win here. They've notched some wins here this season. Unbelievable. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert now being paid like a top five quarterback. What is the ceiling for the Chargers this season? He's Tyler Folger. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation two a day. Time is here. On ESPN Radio, the Los Angeles Chargers. Go. I'm Lindsay Theory covering the Chargers, who already checked off priority number one in training camp, signing quarterback Justin Herbert to a five-year, $262 million extension that keeps him with the team through the 2029 season. So now all attention is on how Herbert, along with top playmakers Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and rookie first-round pick Quinton Johnston, operate the new scheme installed by coordinator Kellen Moore, who this season joins the Bolts after four seasons as the play caller with the Dallas Cowboys. Moore brings with him to L.A. an explosive brand of offense, one that has Herbert looking downfield more often and one that the Chargers certainly lacked a season ago. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. There is no more broken record conversation in professional sports than is this the year for the Chargers? We have been having this conversation for 20 years. The only thing that comes close is, is Texas back when it comes to college football? And yes, I believe the answer is to that, but that's a conversation for another day. He's Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fortenball. Welcome back to ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio's two-a-days continuing now with the Los Angeles Chargers. This is an interesting one. 25-1 to to win the Super Bowl, 13-1 to to win the AFC, 3-1 to to win the AFC West. The Chiefs are the favorites in the West, followed by the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders. Win total 9.5. If you like the over, you need 10 or more wins to cash. If you like the under, you need 9 or fewer wins to cash. Chargers go 10-7 and last year with a plus-7 point differential you remember in the playoffs, they went to Jacksonville, held a 27 nothing lead with just over 30 seconds left in the first half. They lost that game 31-30 to in spectacular fashion. You and I have been having this conversation for three years since we've known each yep. other, working on Daily Wager here in Las Vegas, ESPN2, weeknight, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. What do you think of the Bolts this year? Where are you? You've been bullish on them for a while, so I'm wondering if it continues again. Are you a glutton for punishment? Don't threaten me with a good time, Joe. <laughs> yes, I'm a glutton for punishment. No, I'm not going to go so far to predict that they win the AFC West. Um, the only thing that's going to allow that is a Patrick Mahomes injury. I think last year proved, because there was doubts about the Chiefs when Tyreek Hill was gone, Mahomes is as good as we've ever seen. Uh, but Justin Herbert's also pretty damn good as well. Uh, I think with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, we're going to see Justin Herbert perform like he did in 2021 when he threw for more than 5,000 yards. I think he is a le- legitimate MVP candidate and someone who could lead the NFL in passing yards. And this offense can be very explosive because last year under Joe Lombardi, this was a horizontal offense. With Kellen Moore, they're going to be vertical. They're going to push the pace. They added Quinton Johnston out of TCU to give him another weapon. So 
I expect the offense to be good. I think Brandon Staley, say what you want about his tactical skills, is a very good coordinator and schemer on the defensive side, and he's got talent there. Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, there is some talent there to work with. So I expect this team to win a lot of games as long as Herbert stays healthy. God help us all for being Chargers believers yet again. I am not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. (laughs) I, I, I have done it with this team before. I cannot do it again. The defense stunk last year, and they spent no money to do anything on that side of the ball. Now, they lost a lot of guys due to injury. So perhaps if they're healthier this year, you get more production. You don't necessarily need to spend the money. Those guys are out there longer. But, you know, it seems like they're hurt every year. It seems like this is one of the most snake-bitten franchises in the NFL. And they're always loaded with talent. You go back to the early 2000s, Antonio Gates, LaDainian Tomlinson, Drew Brees into Phillip Rivers, Lorenzo Neal was there. Sean Merriman was there. I mean, Antonio Cromartie, Quentin Jammer. That, the team has never had a talent problem. They just can never get themselves over the hump for how much they've had to get to the AFC Championship game one time this century, which they lost, and that was due to a lot of injuries in New England. No big deal. I just can't see it. I want to believe. I think the Kellen Moore adjustment is huge. I think that is huge. We're already hearing reports at a training camp. Keenan Allen isn't going to be spending nearly as much time in the slot this year. The question is, at his age, can he win on the outside? This means more Mike Williams in the slot. That's where he's a better fit. But, again, he needs to stay healthy. Justin Herbert, what we've seen from him has been fantastic. I think everyone would agree that he's a franchise quarterback. But it also feels like when things go south and he doesn't necessarily play well, like the second half of that Charger game, the heat goes to Staley, and he avoids yeah, it. Right. He strikes me as a quarterback that doesn't nearly get as much heat as he should when he does make mistakes. I, I think there's some validity and fairness to that, that, okay, at some point we got to start looking at Justin Herbert. But, my gosh, I mean, if you just stack up Still his good. first three years against quarterbacks who've come in this league, he is almost untouchable in terms of the individual performance. And, yes, he is the man in charge, the general leading the team when they blow a 27 to nothing lead. Oof. And he is not without fault in that, but it – it was not Justin Herbert's fault. You know, they, you don't put that on him. That is a full team collapse. So I see his MVP price now at plus 950. He's getting some steam here now under 10 to 1. And I, again, think that's a bet. Maybe at this price I'm backing off and looking for other options. But when he was 14 to 1, 15 to 1, I really like that. I do think this team wins at least 10 games this year. And I do think they qualify for the postseason yet again. So those are two wagers I would make. Okay. I- I'm not going to go. you're talking my language. Yeah, now, I'm not going to go so far like I did last year, predict them to win the AFC West. And the AFC is just so nasty and loaded that I don't think they're quite ready to leap past the AFC championship game and into Super Bowl contention. But I do think they're a playoff team. And I do think they perform week in and week out very well relative to expectation. Win totals nine and a half. You're saying you, you're, you'd bet I'm at over. least 10 wins. I'm over. And to get to the playoffs, minus 115, I'll which means it. you risk $115 to win 100. I'll wait. You can see that happening as yep. well. Okay. What is the what is the absolute ceiling for this team? Super Bowl. If, if it clicks, they yeah. could win a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Bowl. This is... What is the floor? Uh, if Herbert goes down. Let's assume no injuries. Let's just... Injuries are always going to just okay. derail a season. Let's say they stay as healthy as the average NFL team. Key guys like Herbert stay healthy. What's kind of the floor for what they could produce? They still should it be. It may reasonable. be ambitious, but I think nine and eight. If everyone stays healthy, That's I don't think they. I don't think they're a sub five hundred team. I think the only way they are a sub five hundred team is if there are injuries. I, I again, Brandon Staley's not perfect, but if he has a full deck of cards to work with, he is going to have a five hundred football team. 
Staley is setting back the analytics movement because he's making the right decisions, but the execution is so bad, they're never getting it right, and everyone just looks at him as a buffoon. If they were executing these fourth down calls, oftentimes he's making the correct decision given the game situation. But so often they blow it. Mm-hmm. Everyone looks at him and just thinks he's a buffoon. Mm-hmm. Like the math is right. The execution is wrong. That is what they need to work on this year with Kellen Moore. I could see it. I mean, I can see it every single year. You you check all the boxes. And then I can see week one coming and Mike Williams has a hamstring issue. Oh, yeah. Keenan Allen goes down right. in the third quarter with a quad. Uh, Herbert's getting Sean decked. Sean Slater's hurt again. Joey, Joey Bosa's on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, that's... That is what it's been. And this is not a team, unfortunately, that has a home field advantage. When they, they are the they are the tenants inside SoFi to the owner Stan Kroenke. And it's not like the Rams have a tremendous home field advantage in LA. Professional football in Los Angeles is just not that popular. And so that it can be a hard place to win at times if a fan base like San Francisco comes down or they're playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Some Oakland Raiders fans will come down and you'll yeah. have more silver and black inside that stadium from old LA and Oakland Raider fans than you will Charger fans. So they almost play like 15 away games during the season, which makes it a little more difficult. But talent-wise... Scheme-wise, coaching-wise, I think this is, at worst, if everyone stays healthy, a nine-win team. I think they could top out at 12, 13 wins and, and make a playoff run. Joe Fornball, Tyler Foljam. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. I'm assuming you have the Chargers as the second-best team in the AFC West. That would be Chargers. Correct. Are the Chargers closer to the Chiefs, or is the team behind the Chargers closer to the Chargers, which I'm assuming would be the Broncos? Uh, they're closer to the Chiefs. You think the Chargers are closer to the Chiefs than yes, the Broncos are to the Chargers? Yeah. So you are not very high on the Broncos, I'm assuming. Um, I, I mean, I think they're a nine and eight type of like maybe ten and seven. That's the absolute ceiling. But okay. I think ceiling for Chiefs, 13, 14 wins. Ceiling for the Chargers, yeah, ceiling for Chiefs, 12, nineteen and 0, yeah, exactly. 20, you know, whatever. So uh, I think they are, and, and the Chargers have always played the Chiefs very competitively. They do. They, they they match up well because of those quarterbacks. So I do think the Chargers closer to the top end of the division than they are the bottom two teams. Brandon Staley, the head coach, is in the final year of his contract. It's no surprise that the organization, notoriously cheap, was not going to go out Mm -hmm. and give him an extension. Mm -hmm. So he's a lame duck this year. What does he need to do to keep that job to get that extension? This is the same organization that fired Marty uh, Schottenheimer after going 14-2. Keep that in mind. And the players love Marty Schottenheimer. Um I'm gonna be. I'm gonna stand alone, kind of um, as a uh, contrarian here. I think Staley's coaching the team in 2024. I think he gets an extension because I do think this team gets into the postseason and converts on winning a playoff game. You got to win at least one playoff yeah, game, I, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Like yeah. to get in yeah. and lose again, yeah. I, you figure he's gone. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. You just gave all that money to Justin Herbert. So if he's playing well, which you're talking about MVP, the price isn't as juicy, but the idea of Betting him to lead the league in passing. Oh, yards, that's a I love that bet. He's gonna throw for I love yards that bet. Yeah. I think he's five K. I think he's a five thousand yard thrower if he stays healthy. All right. The future of the college football playoff is somehow up in the air, and Clay Thompson humbles himself. You're gonna hear the top sound of the day coming up next. Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Happy Tuesday alongside Tyler Folgem. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Let's play a little sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. 
all the top audio of the day into quarterback the segment. We welcome in Chris McGlynn, producer extraordinaire. Chris, you've got the controls. Take it away. All right, guys. Let's start with one of the biggest stories of the day we haven't had a chance to get into yet, and that is uh, Washington Commanders players, especially the younger ones, having a bit of an issue with Eric Bieniemy and the intensity he's been bringing to practice. Our very own Harry Douglas, who hosts here from 12 to 3, was not so happy with how the head coach, Ron Rivera, handled all of this. I think the first thing that bothered me is when he went to talk about Eric Bieniemy. well, he's this way, this is the way he's coaching, he's not going to change. That bothered me. That bothered me. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to talk about Jack uh, Del Rio and the way he does things and whatnot. You can nip a lot of this stuff in the bud. It's like, hey, listen, these coaches expect excellent from these players, and they're setting the standard, and the standard's not going to be compromised. You don't have to get into this whole soliloquy about Eric being enemy of these players coming to you about being rolled too hard. And I will say this. They don't understand what the hell hard is. So, guys, I guess the best, the easiest question here is uh, who needs to get on board, Eric Bieniemy or the Commanders players? Tyler, I'll start with you. I think Eric Bieniemy has got to uh, get on board and prove himself. In today's culture and climate of sports, I mean, look at the salaries. Who gets paid more? The players are the commodity that matters the most. So, Bieniemy, first time as a true offensive coordinator, play caller, as the true kind of leader of that offense. I think he wants to ingratiate himself as much as possible to the players who are trying to execute his scheme and his vision. So I think if he is riding them a little too hard and he's getting that feedback, he should think about altering or modifying his approach a bit. Players are the ones, yes, that dictate. You're right. When they're good. Nah, okay. You're absolutely right. When they're good. <laughs> These players are not good. They were 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one last season, 7-10 and ten the year before that, 7-9 and nine the year before that, 3-13 and 13 the year before that, 7-9 and nine the year before that, 7-9 and nine the year before that. I'll conveniently stop there for no reason <laughs> other than the fact that no one wants to hear me keep doing it. They may have been 8-7-1 and one the year before that. This is a team that needs a shake-up. The enemy was brought in for a reason. The enemy has Super Bowl rings. Say what you want about him, but he's there to make you better. If he has a way of doing things that's different than what you're used to, well, what you're used to is losing football. What he's used to is winning football. You might want to buy in. And another thing, to, to back up HD's point, this is supposed to be the honeymoon phase of these relationships. We haven't even played the first preseason game yet. Everything about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets right now is honky-dory. Hell, the, the Arizona Cardinals are supposed to be the worst team in football, and all the players are talking about the new culture under the new head coach and how there's all this accountability. Even they're speaking positively. And in Washington, you have this before you even reach the preseason? Damn, son. Like, if you can't get organized <laughs> before the first preseason game, how the hell are you going to get organized in a division that has the Eagles and the Cowboys? Man, and we thought the drama was going to leave when Dan Schneider left the building. Right. Whoops. All right, let's go to college football here because uh, our guy Greg McElroy, obviously college football realignment has been out of control, and the implications I don't even think we fully understand yet, but Greg McElroy actually shined a very interesting light on it. He's an ESPN football analyst and a former Alabama quarterback, and I think he's a little bit concerned about the future of the college ball playoff. There's nothing stopping the SEC from having their own playoff or the Big Ten from having their own playoff or them deciding to come together and say, hey, Let's just do a playoff between the winners of the Big Ten and the winners of the SEC. There's really nothing stopping that, and that's where a lot of the power will be and I think what a lot of the conversations will be moving forward. So that's why I think Florida State's scrambling right now. They all are citing 
the finances, and I, that's a huge issue. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're going to be way behind the eight ball, especially if you compound the difference between the SEC and the Big Ten payout and the ACC payout over the course of 12 years, which is the extent of their grant of rights. So I think the access to the playoff is something that really concerns them. Joe, I'll start with you here. It feels like we're maybe heading in a different direction than even I anticipated. Uh, are we going to end up in a scenario where the Big Ten and the SEC just rule all of college football? This is excellent work by McElroy because you could see a, reason, a season or a situation where this happens. Excuse me. So SEC has X amount of teams. Big Ten has X amount of teams. We're going to move in 2024 to a 12-team college football playoff field. Let's say after a couple years, there are some teams that are maybe 9-3, and 8-4, and four, good teams like in LSU, but they're missing the playoff for all these other reasons. If I'm the SEC, I'm going to the playoff committee and I'm saying, you know what, we're going to want four automatic bids moving forward. And the committee is going to say, well, no, that's not going to be fair. We can't give you four automatics, but we could do this. And the SEC might just say, you know what, screw it. And they go talk to the Big Ten and say, you see what's happening here? You should have four automatic bids. We should have it. They're not giving it to us. Let's just go start our own playoff. Because the amount of teams in the SEC combined with the amount of teams in the Big Ten, that's pretty close to 32, which is exactly what you have in the NFL. So there's your AFC, your (laughs) NFC, and your playoffs and Super Bowl structure moving forward. Yeah, it makes sense. It's very possible that we end up with those two conferences being the ultimate I'm using in air quotations, amateur football. It's not amateur anymore, (laughs) but the minor leagues of the NFL, that being kind of AAA, Big Ten versus SEC. I ultimately, though, do think we end up with kind of the four super conferences, and somehow you divvy up those 12 berths where you got four conference champions, you get, you know, two at-large bids uh, as well from each conference. Don't know if it'll work out that pretty each year, but um, I think that's ultimately what the college game is going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now. Right, before I move on, Joe, do you want to reset this time, or you want me to do it? No, you go ahead and do it. You're fantastic. You're nailing it, Glenn. You're nailing it. <laughs> uh, this is Joe and Amber. We're doing a little sound on, sound off here. Uh, Joe Fortenbaugh, Tyler Fulgham. I am Chris McGlynn. And let's go NBA here, guys. Clay Thompson, one of the best players in the NBA, and notably owner of four NBA championship rings. He let Devin Booker know about it earlier this year. But he's a little bit, I think, embarrassed by how that all went down. He joined Paul George on his podcast, P, and... Uh, he kind of unveiled how he was feeling about the whole situation. You low key a trash talker. Uh, what's, yeah. what's the favorite bar you dropped on someone in the league? I know, Book, mm. you gave him the. Yeah, I was in my feelings, though. And Book was busting my ass that day. I was not where I needed to be. <laughs> you know, stuff doesn't age well. Now that it age well, yeah. like, I don't need to be flexing four rings, bro. Like, everybody know that. That's on Wikipedia. Like,. I just my game wasn't where it was at, and we all get insecure at times. Yeah. I'm not man enough to admit that. I'm man enough to admit that we all have our moments of weakness. So I'm not really proud of that one. All right, Tyler, I'll start with you here. Are you a fan of Clay Thompson kind of walking it back in the off season? I'm a fan of humility, and I think Clay flashed some humility there. I'm all for that in the modern world that we live in. It's a scarce commodity, but uh, I do think it's an appropriate flex given the circumstance there. Book was coming at him, and Book's a great ball player, tremendous score. 
But Book has not accomplished literally one-fourth of what Clay has in his career. So I have no issue with an albeit older Clay who's not in his prime reminding a prime younger Devin Booker, yo, you got a lot of work to do, my dude, before you get on my level. I got four rings. You ain't got Jack. You know what? So I, I'm a fan of the humility, but I don't think he needed to walk that back as much as he did. Uh, he's my favorite player in the NBA. I, I got to cover him in the Bay Area. He has a 100% approval rating. Everyone loves him. He takes a boat to the arena. <laughs> How many people take a boat to the arena? He's got Rocco, the coolest dog in the Bay Area. Everything about the guy screams cool. He puts the ultimate flex on Booker. He wins that. And then he shows the humility, like Tyler said, to walk it back and show that, you know what? Maybe I didn't necessarily need to do that. He wins on every front. Mm-hmm. All the guy does is win. It's like, DJ Khaled. People want to know why he doesn't lose weight because he doesn't lose. He wins, which I still think is one of the all-time great lines. But, yeah, Clay Thompson's the man. However he goes, that's how I go. I'll vote however he tells me to vote. We mentioned the drama in Washington, D.C. We're going to hear from Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy next. Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.